Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH, streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. A family in Kent was targeted not once, but twice by armed prowlers. And police didn't show up for hours. What gives? Well, let's find out because that's what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Now, it was caught on surveillance video. It happened Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning, about 4.30, when a group of armed people walked through the front yard and started casing this home in the city of Kent. Now, they were alerted in the home because they had a ring camera set up, and it made some sort of noise, a notification that someone was there. And so they looked outside, they looked in the surveillance footage, and they realized what was going on, and so they called 911. But they say the cops didn't show up to talk to them until 4 p.m. the next day. Not 4 p.m. that day, not 12 hours later, the next day. Now, police said they didn't know how serious this issue was. That, at least, is according to Cairo 7 TV, though, in fairness, the article was so poorly written and confusing, I don't necessarily trust anything I wrote. Now, Tony, the guy who lives there, he said to Cairo 7 TV, this is the second time that this house has been targeted. In fact, my aunt who was here was robbed when she was just on the front lawn. This happened back in January. And since then, they've obviously been on edge. And then, of course, they get this little notification about the armed people outside, and they're freaked out. And once we found out they had guns, I was just shaking the whole time. I was like, I was really afraid. I believe I said that they were going in, uh, going through my house, you know, or trying to go through my house. I didn't have that much time to go into detail because I was fully panicked. But I also know that my neighbors called the police, too. I think two, maybe three of my neighbors called the police. It is weird that so many people were alert at 4.30 and realized what, right? I mean, unless they were very noisy, the the guys who were casing the joint. Because at 4.30, you're not expected to have many people up. And in fact, that's probably why they went and looked at this house. Yeah, there must have been something they did that drew some attention at some point. Now, the Kent PD said, look, we did get calls about suspicious people in the area, but there were no calls about a break-in. So what they did was, they say, they sent officers down. They did show up. They just didn't talk to anyone because they didn't see anyone there when they were patrolling. So they got the impression, I guess, that it was just someone who was acting suspicious. Now, I don't know how detailed the 911 call was from Tony or whomever else might have called when when they saw this. And sometimes, you know, especially if you're panicked, and he obviously sounded panicked, you say, hey, there's some weird, there's some people here outside. It's making me really, like, maybe you forget to include that they're armed. It's really easy to do that. Now, the issue is, Kent PD says they've been getting a lot of these kinds of calls lately. And one of the issues is that it would appear in some of the other cases in the city of Kent that Asian Americans were being targeted, which, of course, reminds us all of what's been going on in South Seattle, where a group of armed individuals who are, they said, teenagers to young adults, they were targeting Asians. And now they're kind of wondering whether or not this is a part of that. They say a week ago, burglars broke into two Kent homes 
and they held the residents at gunpoint demanding money. Again, very similar to what's been going on in South Seattle. Because in those cases, those two break-ins, the victims were Asian. Honestly, really scared. Like, when you get in target because of our own race, it's like, we can't really do anything about that. Now, they haven't confirmed whether or not there's a connection. It wouldn't shock me that it turned out it was, because if you're being told by SPD, Seattle PD, saying, yeah, we're on to you, we know this is happening, and we're going to catch you. Maybe you then say, okay, I'm going to go into another neighborhood. I'll go into Kent, and then I'll go into Auburn and Federal Way. I mean, it can continue to go down and down and down until these people, these monsters, end up getting caught. Now, if you're this family, and this is the second time it's happened, that does indicate that they're being targeted. Now, I don't know if it indicates you're being targeted because of your race, but it does indicate, at least to me, that you will, in fact, suffer some sort of consequence if the police don't interfere. Now, the good news is maybe if they decided to move into Kent because of all the media attention around what was happening in South Seattle, maybe they'll hear this. Well, they won't. I doubt that they're listeners to this show. And if you are, turn yourself in, young man. Turn yourself in. Crime doesn't pay and just say no to drugs. But maybe this gives them reason to stop, at least in the time being. And maybe they're thinking, themselves, okay, let's lay low for a couple weeks and then we'll get back at it. They're not going to catch us, those coppers. And then maybe in between the time that they stop and the time that they might restart their crime spree, maybe that gives enough time for the police to figure out who these people are so that they can get caught. Hopefully that's what happens. And I don't know if I, I was listening, as I was thinking about the story, I was thinking to myself, I do want it to be the same group targeting Asians, not because I want them to be targeting Asians, but because I don't want there to be a second group of young criminals targeting Asians, right? In, in, the, in, in the situation that we're in, which is pretty crummy, I would rather have one group of hooligans than two. Sucks, of course, if you're Asian, but I'm a Jew and they're not targeting me. And arguably, they should be targeting me. That was an in, that's an interesting take on I'm that. I'm single, I'm wealthy. But Are, you know what else I am? Armed. Fair. So don't target me. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? The homelessness crisis. Washington just put out a litter study the first time they did it in 20 years and they found on average 5 pounds of trash per state resident occupying our roads each year and yet no one wants to say that this is directly tied to homelessness. No one wants to have that conversation. According to our research, 75% of Washingtonians do the right thing and choose to not litter. But the study really shows us that that's not enough. You seem way too chipper, given the <laughs> results of this study. I would argue that 90% of this is due to homelessness. Right. They say about 25 percent of the state residents or people uh, who are passing through, they're responsible for this. I guarantee you 90 percent of the 25 percent are homeless. But they're definitely not going to tell you that because then they would be stigmatizing the homeless. They'd be shaming them. It's a marginalized community. And during this study, the Department of Ecology was able to connect with some people who admitted to the littering, telling them why they did it, which is basically they didn't want to build up any trash in their cars, so they just dumped it on the side of the road. 
Here's uh, Ecology's Amber Smith-Jones speaking with our sister station, Cairo News Radio. They tell us that they throw things out of their window as a convenient way to keep things from building up in their car. Basically to keep their car clean and they don't have a car litter bag. Okay, a car litter bag is not a thing. It's just a bag you put garbage in, okay? It's not a car litter bag. It's a bag, okay? Number two, do people really do that? Keep a trash bag in the car? No, throw out of their window still. Do they do that? Uh, I, yeah, I think bad people do that. Sure, there's going to be a handful of bad, but 25%? That seems awfully high. Like, you do it, like, if you really are going to litter, you do it, like, very subtly and, like, in a parking lot. Like, you're not going to throw a McDonald's bag down the freeway. I will say At least this. I wouldn't. So, I see litter everywhere, and it's very clearly related to homelessness. But I don't think I've ever seen anyone litter lately. And I don't know. I feel like I used to see that. You literally don't drive. I'm not just saying driving. I'm just saying walking where I just don't see anyone littering. The trash that I see out there seems to be associated with homelessness, especially when we're talking about the sides of roads. If we're talking about freeways, I'm willing to bet it's the people who are living out under overpasses and in shrubbery. They're the ones who are living out there, and that's their kind of trash because they tell us the the leading categories – now, some of it maybe can be attributed. They cheat a little bit because they say cigarette butts. Uh, I don't cons- when I'm when you hear litter. Do you think cigarette butts? I guess I, not necessarily. I never think that, of that. that wouldn't be where my mind goes. Yeah, I think of trash. I think that would constitute sure littering, but no, that's not what anybody thinks. Of. But they say that's the most common. But after that, they say it is demolition debris, food wrappers. And snack bags, which how that's different than food wrappers, I don't that's know. That's literally the same thing. I feel like a food wrapper is the same as a snack bag, but maybe uh, this is a wrapper for a meal. It's not a snack. It's a hamburger. Because the ground can tell the difference. It's a burrito, a frozen burrito. That's not a snack. That's a meal, even though people eat them like they're snacks versus like Twinkies or something. Here's more from the litter lady. Cigarette butts are still the most commonly littered item. Almost 9,000 cigarette butts per mile per year on our roadways. I don't believe that number. <laughs> I know what they're doing, right? They they looked at a certain amount of space and then they assume that it's similar across the state. Not that many people smoke. And is it actually a cigarette or is it weed? If it's a joint, maybe I, I'll believe that. I, I don't know. Because people just don't smoke as much. Cigarettes. Well, they just e-cigs, yeah. Yeah, but that's my point. You're is not going to huck your... They're, they're still, obviously, they're still cigarette smokers, and they exist, blah, 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 blah. And they're the worst of the worst. But I don't ever, again, I don't see that many people smoking unless it's an e-cigarette, and that's not something you can litter with. Otherwise, there'd be lots of electronics all over the place. They say as part of the state's new anti-littering campaign... Grocery stores are going to be giving away free car litter bags later this month, also known as plastic bags, which, by the way, they're not supposed to give to you because of the environment. So all of a sudden they like plastic bags again. Or are we pretending this is not plastic? I use paper in my car. Paper bags? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's nine cents. You got to use it twice to get the money. I am a slob. My car is messy. Yeah, I can tell. Your desk is messy, too, by the way. People desk in is not messy. the state litter one-third more than the national average, according to this. That is, there's no way that that is true. You're telling Say that me. Again. Say the number again. One-third more 
here in Washington? In Washington State no way. litter. That there's Absolutely no way that not. that's true. Absolutely not. There, there's no way. And, and by the way, they say this is the first study done on litter, whatever that even means, in 20 years. Okay. So are you comparing with that stat? Are you comparing it to let's just th- Montana? You're telling me that in Montana, do they have a recent study? Or are you going back 20 years and comparing to that? There's no way that Washingtonians litter as much as they're claiming. Not a no. Have you been to L.A.? Just L.A. alone, not even California, just L.A. or New York. Spare me. That's a lie. Put that. Put her. Put her on the list of liars. List of liars. Got it. Yeah, the, that's the brown one for poop. She says most toss trash on purpose, but some roadway litter comes from people who don't secure their loads or clean out their truck beds. And I'm looking at this story, and not a single mention of the homeless. Not one mention. Is it possible that that's playing a little bit of a role? We don't know because they want to pretend otherwise. Which is why we should just dismiss this entire silly study to begin with. If you're not going to be open and honest, if you're not going to acknowledge the obvious, what is the point here? Because here's here's the point. I'll answer that question. Asked and answered. The point is to shame the people that they can into not littering, right? The homeless person not listening to this show, except for that one dude who would always email into my Facebook page, claimed he was homeless and listens all the time, was always emailed to my Facebook. What are you, 70? They messaged my Facebook page. Okay, message. Oh, I'm so sorry. You sound really old when you say something like that. Cool, hip 28 year old with the filthy car. Got it. (laughs) Thanks. You're shaming me for my language. Why don't you go clean up your car and have some self respect? But they're not listening, right? A normal person is li- a normal person. A, a person who is housed is listening, and so they're the ones who are going to have access to this particular bit of information, right? This study, the people who are listening to the radio, who are reading it in the newspaper, whatever it is. The homeless person isn't, so they're just going to tailor make their narrative and their messaging specifically to that audience because they have control over that audience. They have no control over the homelessness population. They're not even going to try. But I would argue that if you truly cared about the environment and you wanted to fix this litter crisis that we have, go ahead and target the people who are most responsible. Target the people who are most responsible. How are we going to do that? It would lack equitable uh, rules and regulations that would disproportionately impact marginalized communities. Yeah, shut up. Then you don't care about the environment. Push the button. What's trending? The drug crisis. How's this for littering? Wow, that was real litter. How's uh, that, that? That sounded good. I, could, it was hear, it? could you hear it on the radio? Yeah, actually, I could hear it. Text in if you could hear that. I threw a sugar-free vitamin water bottle on the floor. Let Brian pick it up tomorrow. You know he's not. No, he's going to only... Actually, he's going to make it where he's going to match it. He probably will match he's it. He's going to look at it and oh, I guess we can now throw things on the ground. That was a... Clean, clean it up. Okay. Get dun- Hey, Duncan. Duncan, clean it up. No, I'm not giving you money to recycle it. Just clean. Shut up and clean it up or you're out of here. Thank you. God. Did we already move on? Yeah, we did. Okay. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, Gavin Newsom apparently is a xenophobe because he's increasing the number of National Guard members working at the border with Mexico by 50%. And he's doing this to protect from 
drugs getting into this country. There's so many parts of this story that are very confusing to me because it was my understanding that any effort to militarize the border was seen as xenophobic, was anti-compassionate. These are just people who are trying to escape really horrible situations where their lives are on the line. They're escaping violence. That's the only reason they're coming here. They're otherwise really great people. And how dare you, Governor Abbott? How dare you? Get in the way of these innocent people, these victims trying to come into this country. We don't militarize the border here. This is America. Cut to California. We're militarizing the border. And no one seems to be critical. I see just basic news stories in California media like this one. It's very transactional. Here's what the governor is doing. Not very judgmental. The way that they covered the Republicans who did this. And then, of course, no note. From, let's say, Pramila Jayapal, who pretends that drugs don't come over illegally over the border. Didn't you know that like 99.999997% of the drugs come through ports of entry? They're not coming over the border illegally with immigrants. We just want a better life. You just hate immigrants. Not hearing any of that from Pramila or anyone else. weird. The increase is going to bring the number of Cal Guard members... To not a huge number, but to 60. Governor Newsom also expanded the number of Cal Guard members working on drug enforcement last year. He said it helped authorize uh, the seizure of nearly six times more fentanyl than the year before. Wow, that's so odd how they're doing that. But again, I thought it wasn't coming in over the border from illegal immigrants. Huh. Now, obviously, I'm in favor of this. I think this is a good decision it was a good decision when greg abbott did it it was a good decision when uh what's his name doug ducey doug governor ducey whatever his first name was from arizona before it switched over i thought that was a great decision it was an important decision not just for their states their communities but for the rest of the country but then they got shamed which by the way is rather Remarkable how all of a sudden Democrats who are impacted by the immigration crisis, all of a sudden they're changing their tone. The second that Greg Abbott said, we can't keep people here. Well, you are mean and evil. Why wouldn't you want to help these people? When all of a sudden New York City Mayor Eric Adams is getting inundated with migrants. And he's telling a group of folks, oh, my gosh, this entire city is going to be unrecognizable soon. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. Oh, wow. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Y'all were giving a hard time to Greg Abbott, who was saying... Our border towns are being overrun and they can't handle this. And they were being ignored or they were being told that they were lying or they were being told, suck it up, figure it out, do your duty. But all of a sudden, when it impacts these Democrat run areas, all of a sudden changing their tune. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. 
Now we're getting Russian speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people okay, from we, all we over point, the globe man. have made their yeah. minds up that they're going to come through Move on. the southern part of the border and yeah, come into New York City. Oh, is that where they're coming to? And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Well, you all said it was Texas's problem. That's what they said. Oh, it's Arizona's problem. That's what you guys said. So now you are living with the consequences of a situation you did nothing to stop. You did nothing to stop. You could have at least helped. You said nothing. For over a year, you said nothing. And then all of a sudden, when you're impacted, oh, we got to act immediately because we cannot continue this. It is not fair. It is not fair. It is not fair. When it was Texas, it's a Republican area, and they'll figure it out. It's unbelievable. And that's pretty much a point that Ted Cruz made on Fox News today. And and I got to say, coming from Texas, it's amusing. We've had seven million illegal immigrants under Joe Biden. And so seeing Eric Adams complain about 100,000 is cute, but he still doesn't bother to put the blame where it belongs. This is a political decision by Joe Biden, by Kamala Harris, and by the way, by Chuck Schumer. If Eric Adams wants to talk to someone, Chuck Schumer Mm -hmm. lives in New York City. He says rightly that illegal immigration is destroying New York City. Well, he could pick up the phone and tell Chuck Schumer to stop fighting for open borders, to stop protecting the Biden administration as they lawlessly open the borders. If the situation that was happening right now was happening under Donald Trump, do you think Eric Adams would say Donald Trump's name maybe 12,000 times in that one, what was it, 47-second clip? Yeah, probably. Definitely. Doesn't mention Joe Biden. Now, in fairness to Eric Adams, he has in the past mentioned Joe Biden, but he's still pulling punches. And he would be way more aggressive if this were a Donald Trump administration or, frankly, any Republican administration. The glass half full approach to this is, you know what? I'm now at least glad that you are acknowledging a crisis that you were silent on before, like every other Democrat, except for the one mayor in El Paso. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. The Jason Ranch Show. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Ranch. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. A man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing her these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. Like so many businesses in Seattle, Jay's Asian Bistro and Sushi, a very highly regarded restaurant in the Madison Valley neighborhood, which is a little west of Capitol Hill, they've been dealing with a ton of crime. That whole area has been dealing with a ton of crime. And like so many others, he's wondering, the owner is wondering, what's being done at the city level to help? Joining me on the line is Jay Ahrens from Jay's Asian Bistro. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I have been hearing from a lot of business owners in your neighborhood explaining that there have just been a rash of crimes. Can you take us through what's been going on from your perspective? Um, I mean, we have like a tight, you know, the kind of community with the merchants and, uh, you know, residents because Madison Valley is literally like two blocks yeah. uh, radius. And so we kind of communicate with each other and we kind of like, you know, um, network and, you know, we we tell each other what's going on in the neighborhood or what we see and things like that. And it's just, yeah, there's 
uh, an increase or rise of like, you know, just burglaries, uh, you know, crime, uh, just uh, homelessness, uh, you know, just mental, uh, mentally unstable people that are just running amok. And so it's just kind of frustrating because then, you know, you hope that it doesn't happen to, you know, your neighbors or your, you know, your, your, your colleagues, but it eventually does catch up and it, you know, and it, we did, you know, we've been burglarized a few times. Um, like two weeks ago, our shed got broken in, you know, bolt cutters, jacked the uh, pressure washer, some, you know, power tools and stuff like that. And so it's just kind of frustrating when you call, you know, SPD and, and obviously they're shorthanded, but you know, they're, they're pretty much useless. And, you know, and they say, you know, you, they prioritize things that are more important. So it's just kind of frustrating what is important anymore. So, you know. Well, you, you note that it's clear that the Seattle Police Department is understaffed. We know exactly why. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, totally. it all started with the defund movement and it only kind of snowballed from there. So do you place blame on politicians? How, how do you compartmentalize the way you feel about this? Because obviously when you call 911, anyone wants a response. And we obviously care about or we're supposed to care about all of these issues, but they can't. So where do you place the blame? Well, you you know, you obviously someone has to be accountable. And that's the uh, SEC, you know, Seattle City the Council. people who keep voting who keep voting for, you know, these, these policies of, like, say, like you said, defunding the police. I mean, if you looked at 10 years ago, it wasn't an issue like this. But as you see, like, you know, being in this neighborhood for, you know, over 15 years, you see how it's, uh, the, the increase of the crime and the decline of support, you know. Mm-hmm. There is no protect and serve. So, But it, it's literally the constituents that people keep voting these people into that, they they base things uh, like feelings or facts in a sense, and it's just like and they overlook the facts. Yeah, and you, the feelings are the ones that are overtaking what's really happening. How so, do you explain that? How do you explain that? Because you are obviously being impacted by this. You, I, I'm assuming, you've got customers who are recognizing the the problems, and certainly anyone who's been there more than the last you know three to four years has realized it's gotten considerably worse. What what do they say? Because I have to assume your customers are also voting for these people. You know, it's it's got to be where it's like like minded people are the ones that are, that are affiliating or associating with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's in a sense like, well, if you bring up the topic of okay, the situation and what's happening in the city, you know, crime or homelessness or 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 whatever that's rampant, they either avoid the topic. Or they obviously, uh, like I said, they go into this kind of like a woke mentality. And it's like it, it, it only is a serious effect to them is if it happens to them, if it's in their backyard, their front yard, or they need, uh, you know, uh, police uh, support or something, 911 support. So it's just like we can talk about people like myself, like, you know, where we're very open-minded about what's going on and, and, you know, we could discuss, you know, ways to, to, I guess, uh, I don't know, to deal with it or, or correct it. But the people who do vote for they, it's, they're totally oblivious to it almost. Do you think they're oblivious to it or do you think they just have blinders on and, or don't care? I should say, I, you know, I, 
I think a lot of this is driven by ideology, the reason why someone might vote for, for example, you're represented by Shama Sawan. She does not care about business. She's completely disconnected from these issues. In fact, she's a leading cause of why the issues are there to begin with. I, I have oh, to yeah. assume that the population in, in this district understand that, and they know who Shama Sawan is. To her credit, she doesn't hide any of her views. She's pretty open about them. I mean, do they just not care? Well, like I said, it's like there's a few of us that are the ones that do care, yeah. okay, that are like small business owners or, or even that, you know, just uh, just regular people. But it's just – it's it's hard when you're in a blue-dominated state that it's like, you know, that these, these people keep getting voted in for God knows what reason, you know. But like I said, it only affects people when it happens to them or it's in their backyard. Yeah. But other than that, they take, they take a blind side to it and they just say, okay, well, yeah, well, yeah, it, it, this is a, this is an issue, but then nothing's being done except for the people like small business owner taxpayers like us that we get affected and nothing happens. Exactly. I'm talking with Jay Ahrens. He runs Jay's Asian Bistro in uh, Madison Valley, it, it is a restaurant that has very high ratings, although it's now dealing with not just maybe some some expecting customers who expect top-notch service, but also a crime crisis. F- from the perspective of a business owner in Seattle, when you reflect back on how things have been just in the last few years, outside of the crime and homelessness, do you feel like you're supported by the city as a business owner? Um, not, I mean, no, because we're, we're all kind of doing our own things that we have to do to, to either to keep afloat or to deal with the crime or to like, um, deal with crazy mandates and stuff like that. But it's just literally like, we've all been like kind of sent into our own little tribes and groups and we just have to survive on our own in a sense. Cause obviously the cities, their agendas are that are on a different level or who knows where they're at. Why, I mean, do you, why do you continue to stay in this area? Have you thought about well, leaving? You know, you know what? Um, people ask me that, but you know what? I, I'm for the community. So I'm for my, you know, my clients and the area that I'm in. And if people started to think like, well, we'll just move out and, and try to escape it. But, I mean, yeah, that's the opportunity of choices, but I, I wouldn't abandon my community. Yeah. I mean, there's businesses during the lockdown where like, okay, we're going to shut down, or they're going to support these radical, what, BLM groups that that did nothing for for anything mm-hmm. but that scam money. But it's just like, yeah, I, I wouldn't abandon my my clients. And if anything, you know, uh, whatever's coming in the future, I would do the same thing. I wouldn't abandon my clients or my com- uh, my community. So. What, what are, just yeah. politically speaking, I because can, I can't tell if you're a, a Democrat or Republican, which I kind of like that because I think a lot of Democrats are sick and tired of what they've been seeing, and I think a lot of them have been on to the scam of BLM and and other and other words. When it comes to politics, do you feel aligned more generally with Seattle outside of this one particular issue or or these con- connected issues? Um, I'm, you know. Before all this craziness, I was kind of more just non-political, mm-hmm. you know. I was just all more maybe a, more of a centralist, I guess we'd be labeled, because I, I didn't involve in politics because I figured that is something that, you know, uh, people of, of 
that expertise or knowledge would would maybe do the right things. But throughout the the lockdowns and stuff, you start to realize, okay, there's something that's not going right. And if these states are like politicized and you have to pick a certain side in a sense, you can't necessarily be in the middle. You have to pick a side. So if I would have to pick a side, I would have to say more of a conservative because there's, there's more tradition and values and, and more, I guess, would you say patriotism to, you know, what's happening in your life and in the community. And it seems like, you know, people on the kind of radical left don't look at it, those values. Are you going to be more political as a result of all of this? You know, I don't know about being more politically active, but uh, I would say more politically aware mm-hmm. with, you know, the, I mean. Why not be more politically active? To... <laughs> you know, because, and part of me always understands when someone says, man, I just don't want to get involved in that. It's too much drama. It, you know, opens me up to activists who are going to be upset. Like, I totally get that. But at the same time, you obviously see that uh, a lack of, not just awareness, but maybe activism on the right side of the issues has led to some of these problems that you're experiencing. I'm, I'm just curious, why not commit to being a little bit more active? Well, I like I said, from more, from before till now, I, I guess I would be, we'd be, I would be considered more politically active. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I have, I have more uh, like open forum discussions with people, mm-hmm. and uh, which I didn't before, but. It's just like, like I said, more like-minded people. When you start talking about, like I, like I said, uh, community values, family, and tradition, like that, it seems out that it, it's more conservative people that are like uh, on that same level of, of mindset and same ideology about life, you know, in the community. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm more voiced about it, and um, you know, and. Other business owners that that I know, my you know colleagues and friends that come here as well, we all talk it's the same thing. So I think it's like if you're at least being making awareness that's you know, and that everyone's getting involved. I guess that's somewhat, I guess, getting involved politically. Yeah. No, I, I think it is, but, I, and I'm glad you're speaking up. I think part of it is also just as a small business owner being willing to tell a story and offer opinions. I think too few who are experiencing what you're experiencing are just not confident enough to speak up or maybe a little bit wary of speaking up because of, you know, some of the unintended consequences of getting on the radars of some activists. But look, at the end of the day, you have to fight for your business and you have to fight for your employees and customers. And I think that that's the right thing to do. So I appreciate, I appreciate you speaking up, Jay, and I I wish you the absolute best uh, of luck in, you know, weathering this storm, hopefully with the upcoming election, things will start to change a little bit. And for anyone who is looking for a great Japanese restaurant, head on over to Jay's Asian Bistro and Sushi. It is, uh, according to all of the reviews, Google, Yelp and whatnot, it's a phenomenal uh, place to be. So, Jay, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And um, I am very uh, optimistic of 2024. So, <laughs> Fingers crossed. We'll and see. I will definitely. And I will do my best to be involved, but trust me on that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it, and I'm glad that you're speaking up. Again, it's Jay's Asian Bistro and Sushi in the Madison Valley neighborhood of Seattle, just uh, west of Capitol Hill. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. When we come back, we're going to get to some quick hits.
the Jason Rant Show. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rantz. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rantz is in focus now. Jason Rantz, thank you for your reporting on that. The Quick Hit. Okay, let's take you through this lawsuit or this claim that's inevitably going to lead to potentially a long, drawn-out lawsuit. Uh, because I, on the surface, I want to dismiss this immediately. But it is one of those stories where it's incredibly tragic. It really is. And it has to do with Peloton and a mother who was suing them. And Peloton is a a high-end fitness company. They're the ones that have that um, stationary bike, but they also have a treadmill. And that might come into play here at some point because they ended up having to recall the treadmill back in 2021. So let's go through this story. The mother is suing Peloton, saying that one of its exercise bikes fell on her son during a workout while he was in his apartment in New York. And as a result of that, the reports say he severed his carotid artery and it killed him instantly. Joanna Furtado said that the bike was not reasonably fit, suitable, or safe for its intended or represented purpose, according to this lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit was filed a few months ago, but now we're getting some movement on Peloton's side because these things, frankly, just take a long time. Peloton is trying to get this case dismissed. Now, the actual incident itself happened in January where Ryan Furtado, who's an adult, was completing a core workout involving the bike. Now, the lawsuit says that as part of the workout, he was instructed to, quote, disembark the bike to conduct conduct exercises on the floor. Fox News reports that after finishing the floor portion of the workout, he used the Peloton product to pull himself up from the ground And the bike spun around and impacted him on his neck and face, severing his artery in his neck, killing him instantly. That last piece, according to the lawsuit. Now, the NYPD found Furtado on the floor of his apartment with the bike still resting on his neck and face, according to the lawsuit. So they go ahead, uh, the, the mother, on behalf of the family, filed this lawsuit. And Peloton just put in a rebuttal, rebuttal claiming that the, quote, Alleged injuries or damages, if any, were caused or contributed to by the plaintiff's descendant's own negligence, intentional act, and or fault. And Ben Boyd, a spokesperson for Peloton, said in a statement, We offer our deepest sympathy and condolences to the Furtado family for this unfortunate accident. As a member first company, the health and safety of our membership is a top priority. Now, this is and, and maybe some of you have seen a commercial about Peloton showing exactly what this is. You're on the bike for a bit, then the trainer on the bike tells you to get off and you're doing some other kind of exercise. And what it sounds like this individual did was and this is according to the lawsuit, use the 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 Peloton bike basically as leverage to lift oneself up. Obviously, you know, using something like that as leverage, it, it seems to me that you are potentially increasing the likelihood of an injury unless you know the bike is bolted down into the ground. Now, according to this lawsuit, it says that the 
Peloton company failed to test or adequately inspect the bike's, quote, warnings to ensure that it was reasonably safe and suitable for its intended purpose and use so as to ensure that it was not unreasonably dangerous under foreseeable circumstances, including the risk of related personal injury from continuously stretching on the bike during workouts, causing the bike to destabilize and fall, causing injury to the user. And that's one of those things where I'm somewhat on the fence, although I'm, I'm personally I'm, I'm leaning towards Peloton. I think the only thing that maybe is keeping me from fully endorsing the Peloton perspective is, number one, it's certainly true that Peloton should foresee someone utilizing the bike as a means for leverage to get up. I think that that is kind of reasonable. But then I wonder if it's reasonable for any of us to assume that unless any piece of equipment or anything that you're using as leverage can actually withstand your weight, right? If you're someone who's, you know, uh, 130 pounds and you're five foot seven, okay, you're probably going to be safe and you're not going to assume anything. But if you're six foot two, you know, uh, 210, then you obviously know you've got some level of strength. And why would you assume that? And I guess it depends on where you're, you know, holding to use leverage to get up. Let's say you're using a handle of the bike. Why would you assume then, given your weight and size, that grabbing on to that bar wouldn't pull the bike down over you? Again, I- I'm assuming all of this was done completely unintentionally. They say possibly intentional, I think, in the lawsuit, just because I think they have to cover their bases. But at the end of the day, this just, it seems like, you don't really need a warning for this. But then again, I look at lots of products and they tell me warning. I look at a bunch of products and they tell me warnings that obviously are, to me, unnecessary. A plastic bag telling me uh, that you shouldn't put it around your head and that it could suffocate a child. Now, you and I look at that and we're like, yeah, no kidding. But likely the reason why that warning sign was put or that warning message was put up on that plastic bag was either number one, it suffocated and killed someone and they got sued and they had to put it on there. Or number two, they feared that someone would misuse or be irresponsible with the plastic bag. And so they just put the warning sign or warning label on the product. They were being proactive to to protect themselves. Now, can we all say that that maybe is going into you know, overdrive in protection because of an over litigious country? Sure, yes. But I don't know if we can reasonably say what that line is and what should be considered, quote unquote, obvious of a of a potential threat, especially in a world in which on, on the one hand, you've got the frivolous lawsuits, in my view, the whole, oh, well, you didn't tell me that this McDonald's coffee was hot and I burned myself. And then they end up putting, you know, a little warning label on the cup says, caution, uh, coffee is hot, dummy. But then there are other instances which maybe you're not really thinking about. And it isn't necessarily reasonable to assume if you do X, then Y will happen and Y is an injury. I don't I don't know what that line is other than to say I know it when I see it. or I know it when I read it. But that's not how the law works, and that's not how the law is supposed to work. Ultimately, I think that this is on the individual, and I feel bad for the family because I think that this is their way of grieving. I don't know if they 
legitimately blame Peloton versus needing someone to blame for a tragic accident. But that's clearly what this was, an accident. At least that's what it seems like on the surface to me. Where do you stand? Send me a text, 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Rancho.